Hello, my friends. On Monday, I did something that uh, I was honored to be able to do, but it also wasn't a good time for me. It was difficult. I did not sleep the night before. I literally got 30 minutes of sleep, and um, I still haven't recovered. Today is Thursday, and the testimony in Ottawa was on Monday. And I'm still not quite right. I think it's going to take another couple of good sleeps before I get on the other side of this. So many of you may have seen the testimony. If not, it's on the Government of Canada website. Uh, You can see the full testimony. It was in reference to the veteran who was offered medically assisted in dying. And uh, he was offered that by Veterans Affairs Canada, otherwise known as VAC. After that, testimony uh, the veteran let me know that he was not too happy that I did that testimony which was half of a surprise I wasn't sure if he was going to be or not Um, but anyway I have prepared a statement that I want to read that explains everything that happened without of course um, divulging the identity of this veteran he definitely wants to remain anonymous and I certainly don't blame him for that I probably would as well. Well, actually, I wouldn't. That's just not how I am. But um, I certainly understand anybody that would not want to reveal their identity. That makes complete sense. I didn't want to do it either, but I did it. Okay, so this is the fallout from that testimony. And here's uh, everything about it, all the behind the scenes. So on Monday, October 24th, I testified in front of the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Veterans Affairs. They were hearing testimony in relation to the veteran who was offered the MAID program without any prompting. In other words, he wasn't asking about the MAID program, but it was offered to him out of the blue. Say, hey, want to do this? No, why are you asking me this? So MAID, if you don't know, is a government program which assists people to die by suicide. Now, originally, it was intended to be available to people who were terminally ill or chronically in unbearable, untreatable pain. MAID stands for Medically Assisted in Dying, and it's really expanded its availability since it first came to fruition, I think it was 2017. And it's going to continue to expand its availability And by March of next year, so March of 2023, the MAID program will be available to anybody for any reason. Now, of course, they word it differently than that, but if you read between the lines a little bit, uh, there's really no barrier to entry. And anybody can read it. Um, It's just, all you got to do is Google MAID, M-A-I-D, MAID Canada Guidelines, and boop, it's uh, canada.ca slash en slash health, blah, 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 and you'll find it. So there's going to be no meaningful entry. And believe it or not, and I've confirmed this with several people, there is talk on Parliament Hill of making made available to children as young as the age of 12 years old. Oh, it gets worse. Not only do they want a 12-year-old to be able to kill themselves with the help of the government, they want a 12-year-old to be able to do it without parental consent. Yeah, you heard it right. So a 12-year-old is going through something, thinks suicide is the option, 
instead of treating that person so that they no longer have suicidal thoughts and that they feel better about life and feel like, hey, I changed my mind. I feel so much better now. Thanks for that. No, 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 no. Oh, you're feeling suicidal? Oh, we have a permanent solution for a temporary problem. We'll kill you. Oh, don't worry about your parents. 12 years old. And the government thinks it's a great idea because of the College of Physicians in Ontario. They think it is a great idea for a 12-year-old to be able to die with the help of the government instead of the government helping them to not feel suicidal. We'll just kill you. And don't worry about your parents. It's not like it would devastate them or anything. It's not like it would ruin their life. So that's where we're at with this MAID program. For all of you that uh, are strong advocates of the MAID program, are you a strong advocate of a 12-year-old without parental consent being killed by your government? Offering a permanent solution to a temporary problem? And yes, that is true. Anywho, on Monday I was asked to testify for a couple of main reasons. First, because of this show. I'm the host of this show, which is, which makes me a SME, a subject matter expert on mental health resources in Canada. Well, really in North America. And I'm also a SME on the veteran experience with Veterans Affairs Canada. I've been going through VAC for, since 2017. Uh, but I'm also a center point. I hear dozens and dozens and dozens of stories um, of experiences with VAC because of the work I do in the veteran community and continue to do. Secondly, I was asked to be a, vet, uh, a witness because I'm the only person who they could, who they knew of, who has spoken directly with a veteran who was offered made. Um, I'm the only one that uh, they know about, so I'm, I'm all they got. There's others that know about it, but uh, I'm the only one that they are aware of. Everybody else is uh, staying quiet, and that's okay. I get it. I, maybe I should have stayed quiet, but I didn't, so here we are. This resulted in a this committee being um, put forth. And before I testified, the previous Wednesday, October 29th, 2022, the first round of testimony occurred. Now, the big wig showed up. The Minister of Veterans Affairs, the Deputy Minister, they both made testimony, which I knew was not true. And... At worst, untrue. At best, incomplete. And there's nobody else available that could point out this problematic testimony. There's nobody else that could contradict what the Minister of Veterans Affairs had to say. And that made me feel like I really had to follow through with this. I didn't want to. I was invited to be uh, in Ottawa. I could have done it online. Would have been a lot easier on me to do it online. But when you're there in person, it just has a lot more impact. Plus, I've never seen Ottawa before, so why not? So I did it in person, which was uh, not a good time. I enjoyed 
walking around Ottawa and seeing the sights, but I did not enjoy being in that room. I did not enjoy providing this testimony. That was not a good time. And it's still going to be a while before I recover from that. But in my opening remarks, I made it clear that I was there under some duress. Why would I be under duress? Well, the people that I'm throwing under the bus uh, are the same people that are in charge of my veteran, veterans' benefits, which I live off of. I rely, my children rely, my family relies on the veterans' benefits which I receive. Plus, I have ongoing claims. <laughs> So talk about shooting myself in the foot. The very um, human beings that I am relying on to provide me with the benefit which I require are the same people I threw under the bus. So this was not in my best interests, to say the least. And I can understand why uh, other people would be pretty hesitant to do what I did. But I did it because it had to be done in my mind. So, also, prior to um, me doing the testimony on Monday, I was trying to get a strategy together with the veteran that this is all about. Reached out to him several times, attempting to verify what he did and did not want me to talk about. Um, I, he didn't get back to me. So I had offered him, it's like, look, what, how about I write down what I'm going to say, then you just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down or whatever has to be changed. But he didn't get back to me. I said, okay, well, how about you write a letter of what you want to say and I'll either present it or read it to them or whatever you want and you can still remain anonymous, but your, your voice can be heard. Didn't get back to me. Okay, well, if you change your mind, here's the, all the contact information for the shadow minister of veterans affairs and i gave that all to him all without any response the only response i got was after my testimony he gave me a blast of shit and uh, said never talk to me again okie dokie so that's that um i'm off script here i'm just riffing but that's a bit of a day wrecker the last thing in the whole wide world i wanted was to upset this veteran the last thing in the whole wide world that I wanted was to make a bad situation worse, to put more on his shoulders. That clearly was not my intention, but that's what happened. Shit. All right, let's keep getting through the statement here. Uh, during the testimony on Monday, I was really careful as careful as I knew how to be. I did my level best to not provide or reveal any personal information about the veteran. Because he was really clear about that. Like he had to remain anonymous, totally get it, and <laughs> totally respect that. So I did everything I could to make sure that, um, and I think I was successful. I don't think I let anything out of the bag that could possibly identify him. Um. And also, I mean, after my testimony, they were asking me, well, you've got to get this guy to really, like, we need to hear this audio. Like, yeah, I know, it's not going to happen. Well, we need to hear his testimony in person. Yeah, I know, but unless you can guarantee his anonymity, that ain't going to happen. No chance. Um, and plus, I, he's broken contact with me even at that point. This is before he gave me a blast of shit. Um, 
but so they were pushing me for the transcripts. They were pushing me for the recordings. I said, Nope, not going to happen. You know, um, I don't have his permission, so that's not going to happen. I'm only going to tell you what I know without revealing anything that, uh, uh, would be personal to the, to this guy. So not going to happen. Um, but despite all that, the veteran was mad with me regardless and broke contact with me. From previous conversations I had with this veteran, it's my belief that he feels that I am benefiting from his situation, that I am standing on the pain of him and his family. That's my best guess. It's, I think that's probably correct. He'd have to tell me, but I think, I think that's what it is. Um, I think he feels as though I'm being a publicity hound, a glory hound at his expense, that I am getting benefit from all of this. That this is a good time for me. Yeah, he hasn't told me this directly. It's just this is based on conversations I've had with him at length of his overall feelings of all this and how he doesn't want politicians in general to um, use this as a wedge issue. Um, He's not a big fan of any politician. (laughs) But um, here's the story from my perspective. This veteran sent me these audio files. I didn't ask for them. We had one or two previous conversations or interactions. I had no idea about anything like this was going on. And out of the blue, he sends me an audio file, which I didn't listen to until the following day. And he's like, hey, have you listened to the audio yet? I'm like, oh, yeah, just give me a second. So I listened to it. I'm like, holy shit. And then this resulted in conversations after. But um, when we talked after, after I'd heard the investigations, we both agreed that this had to be investigated, Had something had to be done about this. Um, got to find out if other veterans have been offered assisted suicide, or worse, if others have been killed with the MAID program. Because that was part of what he said happened in these conversations. Um, yeah, kind of important. This cannot be swept under the carpet. This has to be dug into, and we need answers. Need the answers. So he told me, well, I've that he's uh, sent this to lots of other people knew about what was going on, and just told me to chill and wait which I really should have done. But I didn't. I didn't chill. I didn't wait. Instead, I called my friend, Member of Parliament, John Barlow. I told him what was going on. He was shocked, and I did not reveal the identity of the veteran to John. Um, I also contacted the media. Well, the only contact that I had, which was Sheila Gunn-Reed at Rebel News. So... She was interested in running the story, and it escalated quickly. The then Shadow Minister of Veterans Affairs, Frank Caputo, uh, was read into the situation and contacted me. Um, then there was a cabinet shuffle, and then Blake Retcher, Richards became the new Shadow Minister of Veterans Affairs. And uh, he picked up where Frank left off. Anyway, I kept um, the veteran in the loop of what was going on. He's like, dude, just chill. I'm like, okay, well, I'm chilling, I guess. Um, he wasn't too happy that I had reached out to these people, but I'm like, look, um, these are all people that can get something done, that can get this uh, investigation going. I don't know how else, <laughs> without doing this, uh, like 
the ministry is not going to investigate itself, for God's sakes. So this is the path. This is the only path. This is the only way to make this happen, to get um, this to move forward and to hold people accountable. But um, just chill, he said. So I did. I just sat on this for a bit. And then, I don't know if it was a week or two later, the story broke. Um, what I didn't know was happening in the back in the background is that he had a, has a good friend, Toby Miller, who I can only say that because he identified himself publicly on LinkedIn, which I appreciate. And Toby's a veteran. And uh, thank you, Toby, for all you've done with this. Toby is also friends with... Um, Mercedes Stevenson, who is a very famous reporter with Global. So through Toby, the story came out with Mercedes Stevenson. She did a great job, really good job. It was accurate, but it was not complete. Um, The Global News story came out, and of course that caused some stir in the veteran community. And then... um, there's just a couple of points that the global news story didn't have, which I think it needed to have. First was, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't in there. I'd have to re- re-listen to the story, but the really big point that uh, had to be investigated that I don't think was focused on was the alleged claim that the veteran service agent said, we've done this before and we can do it for you. That's kind of a big deal. We've offered made before, therefore we can offer it for you. And that veteran service agent says that they offered it and the veteran accepted the made program, completed it. So they killed a veteran is what I was told was said by this veteran service agent. Maybe it was a misunderstanding, who knows. But either way, um, if there is the thought that that uh, conversation may have happened, how about we just verify it? and make sure that it is either true or not true. Because if it's true, of course, it has to be dealt with. Then, of course, there is the quote that I was, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) this is my recollection, I don't know how I could have got this wrong, but if I recall correctly, this wasn't part of the recording, but it was um, part of the conversation, is that, I was told that the veteran service agent says said that using made was better than blowing your brains out against the wall. <laughs> That's what I remember hearing was uh, the allegation that she said this. I only use the word allegation not because I don't believe it, because I do believe it, uh, but only because it's uh, this is what I was told, or this is what I believe I was told, and uh, I haven't heard it firsthand. So, just trying to use proper language. So I feel that these three points were critical to the case, yet they were not shared in the global news story, nor were any committee members of the Standing Committee on Veterans Affairs aware of these three allegations. (laughs) I thought they were kind of important. So I was the only one there who had direct knowledge of these three points, and I felt a duty to testify. The first two points were collaborated by the recordings. So that was all in the recordings. It was verified that that happened. The third point was from a conversation I had with uh, this fellow. I was told that many others had the same recordings that I had, but uh, none, none of them were coming forward. So I didn't know what else to do. 
seemed like the thing to do and it seemed like I could do it without um, revealing the identity of the veteran, which I was successful in. I have not revealed that identity, nor have I caused the identity, identity to be revealed. So after the testimony, I was there for two hours. Like 20 minutes later, I get a text on my phone from Brian Pacifume. I hope I'm saying that correctly. He reached out to me via text. I've never met him before, never seen his name before, but um, just used the Google, found my cell, and texted me. He informed me that he was writing a story based on the testimony that just happened and that it would be on the front page in the National Post shortly. And about two hours later, there it was on the front page with a picture of me. Now, it's true that my podcast did receive a slight bump from the publicity, and it really was slight. I looked at the stats from the day-to-day stats. About 50 extra people tuned in the day after the testimony. 50. That's all. The audience went back to normal right after that. Not exactly a huge spike, but uh, I'll take it with gratitude. The more people that are aware of Operation Tango Romeo, the more people are being helped by it. I think that's a good thing. At some point, I might make money with my show, but uh, that's not happened as of yet. In 251 episodes and over more than three years, I'm in the fourth year now, I've not received any cash donations other than from the sale of 50 mission patches and 10 hats. That's it. That's all my merch, 50 mission patches and 10 hats. Also, my website was donated by Manny Mandrusiak. Thanks, brother. He's the owner of the Vancouver Island Works Project, so if you need a website or anything else like that, go to the Vancouver Island Works Project. He's awesome. And I have an awesome wooden sign, which was donated by Jason McFarlane, a Freemasonry brother. I used to be a Mason like a long time ago. Um. The name of his company is The 13th Craft. You can find him on Facebook. So we donated a really cool 18-inch diameter sign. It's beautiful. Also, the Veterans Association Food Bank helps me out with different things, and Miller's Lawyers has been providing me with support behind the scenes, uh, help and guidance and support for me personally. And if I've missed anybody, I do apologize. But that's that's a list of the support I received. I am not monetized as of yet. Any publicity that I do receive from the show benefits the people who would benefit from being aware of my podcast. So people that need help, that find the help through my show, well, the more publicity I get, the more people find the show, the more people find help. I get messages all the time. Just got a guy from Indiana giving me a a DM, a PM, a private message, saying how grateful he was that he found the show. And I get those on the regular from around the world. So cool. It's in 70 countries. And I think that's pretty neat that people are finding help by the show. Because the show is an aggregate for different healing modalities. So they want to learn, somebody wants to learn about any kind of healing modality. If I found it, it's on the show. And there you go. Um, and plus it's, a, it, it's peer support. The mission of Operation Tango Romeo is to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. The vision of OTR is a world where the path to recovery is clear. So any publicity I get supports that mission and that vision. And I don't think I should have to apologize for that.
This is my message for the veteran who was offered made and who is now pissed at me. You're a rock star, man. You are. Thank you for your service. You are honorable and your courage is considerable. You had the wisdom and foresight to record the two apology calls. Most wouldn't, but you did, and that's awesome. You had the sense of duty to come forward through your intermediary to ensure that the story was told, and it was told well. Because of you, Mercedes Stevenson launched your story into the public sphere. You did the right thing, and it was a brave thing to do. And your actions have sparked a serious investigation into Veterans Affairs Canada and the leadership of VAC. Because of you, lives could be saved. Because of your courage, VAC is likely to undergo meaningful reform. You've made a positive impact, man. You have. You've made a positive impact on the national, of national significance. Like you could have helped so many people because of what you've done and probably have helped thousands of people because of what you've done. And likely, you've created a positive legacy by forcing VAC to improve how it deals with veterans and how it delivers services to veterans. So what you've done could have a massive positive effect. It's awesome. And it took courage and good on you. I am personally distraught that my testimony has upset you. And I don't know if I can offer anything that would help to rectify your displeasure. I can only hope that in time your view of my actions might adjust. Also, I've offered you free resources, which of course are still available to you should you wish to receive them. Many other resources are also available to you. Um, Just have to ask or let me know and I'll send you what I have. If you want to explore that, that's, that's there for you. You will likely never accept the title of hero. But to me, that's exactly what you are. You are a national hero. You are. Thank you for all that you have done for your country. And thank you for all that you continue to do for the veteran community. Bravo Zulu.